now tapped in with the introspective father and son duo. Last name may be strange, but never strangers to the game. Adjust the listening devices and keep it live. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ay, coming in, yeah. Flex, I just wanna win, yeah. LABB, who we running with, yeah. 2233, I'm on 10 again. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to another installment of No Strangers to the Game. Today's episode is entitled Black Church. Uh, we're going to be discussing the role the Black Church has played in our communities and our lives, but the role it's played for African Americans in this country for a very long time and where we should go from here. But first, let's get it. Let's, you know, de stress. Obviously, a very long week if you were paying attention to the election. <laughs> How was your week? <laughs> My week was actually pretty productive. Um, project getting ready to start, so I was able to get through some of the, the, the hurdles and challenges that were um, ahead. So we're building a park um, in an area that's um, you know disadvantaged. It's about, uh, about four acres. It's uh, two phases. So it's really a 15-acre park, four, uh, 14 acres. But we're because of the funding limited, limitations, we're going to start with the first four acres. Um, and as funding becomes available and we have access to it, then we'll do the um, uh, additional 10 acres. So that's jumping off in the next few weeks. Contracts are being signed and executed. All the documents that we need are coming in. So um, it's getting exciting to be able to get some tractors and you know equipment out there to start moving dirt around and make some stuff happen. Um, as far as the election goes, uh, that's been uh, <laughs> interesting to say the least. And I'm looking at it and I don't feel any excitement. I feel somewhat, on some level, a relief that, you know, we don't have to continue down the path that we're going. <laughs> but I ain't all that excited and confident in what we got. <laughs> yeah, you know, I saw it. with. I saw a podcast where Charlemagne the God was talking about. He said, and I, he's like, I really didn't love either option, obviously. I mean, it's the same old, same old. He's just two old white guys running to run our country. But he said, what Trump represented was a further spiral into hatred, division, you know, and a lot of bad, you know, things that we didn't need. And what Biden represented was at least the opportunity for change because you can, I think you can talk about Biden's past and you can say the things that he may or may not have done. But I think what he's shown is that even if it means just to win an election and maybe even if it's to win re-election next term, he's willing to, to, to work with us on some things and to at least listen to people. And so hopefully it's not all lip service, but I, I do believe that, that that he did represent a lot more positive things than the other candidate. So, I mean, I'm yeah. not, and like you said, it's, it's not like, oh, thank the Lord we got Biden in office. It's just more of a relief of thank the Lord we got the other guy out. <laughs> Yeah, well, now it becomes very um, important and critical for us to hold them accountable. And that's that really becomes part of our job. It's not, okay, well, now what do we do? No, we got to hold them accountable and make sure that whatever our agenda is, that we put it in front of them and say, this is, this is what we need. Or, yeah. you know, you won't be here for the next one. Because yeah. really in some of those very urban centers, they changed and they made the difference you know, in that election, you know, in Atlanta and Pennsylvania with Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, you know, where you have a high concentration of black voters. And, um, you know, so we 
did we owed some things <laughs> and we need to go get that <laughs> that's yeah. all i'm saying well let's jump let's jump into this in today's into today's topic um I want you to just briefly describe to me what role the black church has played for African-Americans in this country since, you know, I guess the establishment of the first black church or however long, you know, blacks or African-Americans in this country have been gathering in places of worship or, you know, houses of God, if you will. Yeah, I I was, you know, I'm kind of thinking on that. And and what I discovered or read up on is that the first black church church, in America was the first African Baptist church, and it was uh, founded in 1773. Um, prior to that, there were, you know, you know, kind of, you know, congregations and organizers and getting together, but to actually have an official church, that was the first one. Um, and I know um, the first day of me, not first day of me, but African American, African American, African Methodist, Methodist Episcopal, Episcopal. <laughs> was one of the, uh, you know, first ch- churches that really sprung out of the free African society that was in Philadelphia. So during that time when reconstruction and even part of slavery, you had a lot of um, um, Africans or or those that were enslaved began to migrate up north as they ran away. And Philadelphia was that spot to where they had the free African society. And from that, the African Methodist Episcopal kind of formed out of that in which they were basically, you know, the community center, they were the educational component, the school, and they, you know, with the jobs. So they were basically just about everything to the black community. And I, you know, I've always looked back and I looked at the strongest components in the black community since we've been here. And I think of two of them. One has been the black woman and then the black church. Um, And the black church has been uh, historically a very prevalent and prominent, you know, um, institution in our community. And, um, you know, it's done a lot of things that help us to move forward um, to some of the um, the progress that has been made over the years. Just something that came to mind as you were speaking. I mean, wh- I mean, why of all things was that kind of, the, I guess, the first thing that we were allowed to have? You know, we obviously couldn't read, we couldn't write, we couldn't buy land, we couldn't own land, we couldn't, we didn't have rights. I mean, we had zero rights. Why mm-hmm. do you think we were allowed to be able to at least, I guess, have churches or be able to congregate in those ways? What was the motive or the reasoning for allowing that? I mean, I don't know uh, 100%, but I, I think it was just one of those things that we have to culturally make sure that these people kind of have a set of rules and guidelines to help them to be morally, I guess, sound, morally, you know, good people so that we can function with them. Mm. And I think with the black church is that we often got more out of the the, the church experience than those who kind of presented it to us. And there were some on um, both sides who, okay, give them church so that we make sure they're sound and that their law abiding God-fearing people. And then there was others saying, well, you know, I don't know. They may take this church day <laughs> and be able to do some stuff that's not going to be in our benefit. So um, I think for the most part, it was probably, I would consider the most safe way of refining, you know, the black community and using church as a, as a tool to do that. Yeah, I know. Cause I asked because I know, I've heard like things about the traveling pastors back then mm-hmm. and how they were a lot of times, you know, tools used by, you know, oppressors or back then that 
would, like you said, really just kind of spread messages that weren't necessarily beneficial to, you know, black folks. It was more so for, you know, the, the oppressor to keep them oppressed. Um, but keep them oppressed and give them hope. You know, I got to have hope because if I ain't got no hope, there's no point in me getting up tomorrow. I'm just going to go either kill you or kill myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So hope and at the same time to make sure that you have some a moral compass to be able to function in this environment to where, you know, your thoughts are more in line with the thoughts that I have as being a good person and looking to the, the great beyond and, you know, heaven and all those things, which I think was used to manipulate on some level, um, but it also gave us hope. And, and, you know, in our spirit, you know, African people were always spiritual in terms of how they looked and viewed the world. And I think we took that and used it and took it beyond what, you know, the initial expectations were as it related to, um, you know, church and our experience. Mm. So coming, bringing it more recent, in the last 100 years, I think obviously that's recorded history, right? We've got video, we've got, you know, a lot more things that we know about that time period. I think when I look back, I wasn't alive in the 60s or back then, but I look at it and I say black church was where our leaders came from. You know, Martin Luther King was a pastor of a church and Reverend Jesse Jackson, all these people, they were, and that's, that was like you said, that was the community center. It was where we would, you know, rally for political purposes, where we'd come together and, you know, worship, all of those things. How would you say that's changed since that time? Since, you know, those 60s, I guess since I, well, not I, but since we have been able to really look at history recorded. I think there's still uh, a large number of churches that function and serve in all those roles. But I think there's many more that don't um, for various reasons, maybe just don't have the, the leadership and the economic capacity or the wherewithal to be able to provide all those services and all those um, activities. And then there's also other agencies, organizations that have sprung and become separate and secular from the church that provide those services. So you have a lot of nonprofit organizations, you have um, community development corporations that serve to help with um, job training, education, you know, even in, in housing, as well as some um, political organizations that help to organize people from a political standpoint. So a lot of that has been I guess not taken from the church, but other organizations have sprung up to be able to provide those services and meet those needs um, when it, where the church may not be able to or doesn't have a need because there's another agency that's doing that. Yeah, and what do you think in terms of as people begin, to, you know, at, through time people's beliefs change, and I think we're in a period of time where a lot of people are rejecting old ideas. What do you think that has to do with the state of the black church in terms of it's different from 20, 30 years ago or 50 years ago? Well, I think the church in general, not just the black church, but, you know, things that I read and study or, you know, membership is declining throughout, particularly with Christianity. Um, and as, as we know it here in America and how the churches reform and, and the churches were um, something that most people attended. Um, and for various reasons, I think part of it is that the church didn't adapt to what was going on in the secular world. And so you have people who are younger and younger generations who have access to so much information and technology and are challenging some of those ideas. And the church 
over the years did not make the adaptations and adjustments to be able to, I wouldn't say change their message, but to be able to more effectively deliver a message in, in ways in which um, the younger generation would be able to either receive it or at least be you know, willing to uh, consider. And so um, for me, I think those are some of the reasons that the church is declining you know, mm-hmm. just just the fact that you have access to so much more information, and there's so many more questions, and sometimes, um, or I should say, the church just hasn't made those adjustments in a in a manner that, you know, has, I guess, would lead right, to the success. Not, yeah, more successful. I guess you would say. I it's it's funny because I think of a J Cole song he talks about, and his the song is called Javari. And he talks about, and there's a few lines, there's a line where he says, all of that to say, maybe the hood need a new faith, a new story about a boy from not too far where you stay. And so I, I always think about that where he's like, you know, that message, you know, with, with, with the Bible and things like that, not to completely throw it out, but it, how relatable is it now in today's times? But I wanted to get into, and this is always a funny topic, church and economics. And do they go together? Should they go hand in hand? You know, we always talk about, you know, you tithe to your church. Where does that money go? I don't know. But what role has it in the past and what role should the black church play in the economic sustainability of the black community? I think the church should have a big role economically. And the reason I say that is because when you look at the various denominations where you have, I think, the Baptist Convention, you have the AME or the Methodist Convention and the Kojic, where they have several million members worldwide, where you have essentially a captive audience. And let's make sure we understand that the church, there's the spiritual side of the church, and then there's the business side of the church. When you have a building, there's bills to be paid, all those things. And I think, you know, for me over the years, I always felt like someone was trying to take advantage. Just tell me, hey, the bill, the bill's got to be paid. I get that part. And sometimes they try to, you know, fuse the spiritual and the business. And it always felt kind of misleading, you know, like, you know, somebody's trying to get one over, you know, I understand the business side and bills have to be paid. Let's do that. Um, But I think at the end of the day, with having so many people that are essentially a captive audience, that we have opportunities to have services, we have products, or what have you, or goods that could be used to serve those population of people and expand beyond. And I think economically, that's one of the things we may want to consider. I mean, think about a credit card. You know, I mean, the banks, and I say the banks, the churches put millions of dollars a week into various banks across this country, probably globally. Imagine having those banks or those churches that had credit cards for their membership, right? And that for every dollar they spent, a percentage of that goes back into that black community for whether education, whether it be housing, whether it be, you name it, business loans, and those type of things in which we'll be able to help serve our community. Um, I think economics is a big part of the church and we should utilize that and leverage the congregations and the memberships to be able to do those things in our community. So I, I think, yeah, it should be a big part of the church as well as the spiritual development. 
Okay, that's the positive outlook, and I, I'm gonna be negative. I'm gonna do that right now. Okay. So I, I heard I heard somebody say the the Pope takes a vow of poverty, and yet he lives in the biggest, nicest house in Rome. Now I say that because a lot of times we both grew up going to black churches. We've seen a lot of black churches, been to a lot of black churches. A lot of times they're not in the best communities. A lot of times the members aren't you know in the best place economically. But in a lot of situations, the pastor is driving a nice car. He lives in a house that's pretty nice, paid for in a lot of different situations by the church. And so I think sometimes you wonder if there should be that separation of church and state, if you will, in terms of the economics. Because, I mean, I guess not currently, but throughout history, I think sometimes, like you said, there has been people that have taken advantage of the situation and especially when it's and it's it's damaging because it's especially when it comes with trying to mesh the spiritual the spiritual with the economics and try to make it seem like it goes hand in hand when in reality no they don't they should be completely separate so i think a lot of people sometimes are turned off because of what they see and like like I, what i just explained and so is there like I said, and I, I see what you're saying about the the being able to utilize the membership and you know the congregation, but is there realistically a way to get over a lot of the bad things that people have seen and felt throughout history? Yeah, it's definitely a way to get over it. I mean, I always believe there's a way to get over just about anything, and this is this one. It just comes down to having the, the will and the desire, and the strategy to hold people accountable. Oftentimes when, you know, those pastors who get away with certain things, so to speak, or take advantage of, you know, their uh, power or leadership, um, there's always a way to hold them accountable. You know, you can't be a leader if you're not leading anyone. And those people that are in those congregations to be educated and informed and aware and, 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 and ask those tough questions. And be able to say, yeah, something about that don't but sound see, right. But see, that's the difficulty of it, right? Is that a lot of times the way we're brought up in the black church is almost the opposite. Don't question nothing. You get 10% of your ties and, and you going about today. You don't ask where that money went. You know what I mean? He's going to do it, <laughs> what he's going to do with it because he's, you know, the, the shepherd. He's the man of God. And I think a lot of times, like we said, they try to make it go hand in hand and people fall for that because there's, there's, a, there's, it's hard not to when this is somebody, I guess, who has been seen since your childhood. Um, well, as, here's what I would say to that. If those things are to change, it's going to take people like yourself and younger generations who seem to be aware and willing to ask those questions. <laughs> but see, <laughs> right? <laughs> but see, the tough part about that is if you're asking me, and I think a lot of other people in my generation, we saying, well, forget the church. We'll do it on our own. We'll do it outside of the church because but, that a lot of times can blind people. Right. But one thing you got to understand with the church, it has an infrastructure. You know what I mean? That's already established. So one thing I realized with particularly woke people and conscious community is that we seem to work in a way and where we're pulling people away from where they are already gravitating to. How do we take what's existing? How do we leverage it and use it and rebuild it to help us? in a ways that we want it to. It may not be perfect, but it's there. The, 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 the infrastructure is there. It's just now how do we get in there and make sure that it works for the good of all of us. And, and I don't want to cast dispersion and, 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 and a bad light on church or churches because there are a lot of churches that are doing some of those things. Yeah. Um, but there has also been an overwhelming number of churches and pastors who have taken advantage of it 
and and people have stepped away because it's you know they just don't want to deal with some of the nonsense that has happened and that they've been exposed to another thing that has happened with the black church is through gentrification and through communities that are changing demographically um they're in places in which you know there used to be predominantly black community that's no longer a predominantly black community and so with now back in the day when i grew up when you used to walk to church and you're right around the corner it made it very convenient your mom could send you or they can go and it wasn't a big deal but now that you're moved out and you're further away from that church it's not as convenient getting there so if you 15 20 minutes out or whatever 30 minutes out you may not be not when say able but you may not be uh attending as often you may not be sending your kids around there uh, to sunday school and all the other things because that requires you to get up earlier that requires you to make an extra effort whereas before it was just a lot more convenient because you were right there in the vicinity of the church okay well then i'm getting two different messages a little bit right mm -hmm. because okay for one yes the church is an established infrastructure and there is a still a very you know good number of people who go to church and they are bought into that system but like you said i think a lot of people in my generation are starting to kind of pull away from it, gravitate away from it. I think there's a lot of other factors at hand that are causing the decline of our churches, like I said, in general. Mm -hmm. So all of this seems like an uphill battle. Why not do some of these things, at least from the economic sustainability standpoint of our community, outside of the church, if it feels like doing it within the church may be even a little bit of an uphill battle. So what suggestions would you have? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the question. <laughs> I mean, like I said, and I'm not going to sit here and say the church is perfect. I have a lot of challenges and issues that I have with the black <laughs> church. But I do see it as something that is there, who has been there for years from an infrastructure standpoint, organizing, being able to connect and get people together, um, has the history and has the experience, um, as long as with, you know, uh, you know, property and locations and places where people can meet and convene to do certain things. And so, um, and it may not be as critical in terms of meeting at the location as it was in the past because of Zoom and all the other technology that we have. And in the light of COVID, we're seeing that most churches are not even being able to get together. And so um, what are some of the things you can do with those resources from an economic standpoint, with those buildings and those properties, you know, are they in the right place to serve the people that you have been serving for, you know, many decades? You know, do you need to look at maybe, hey, let's maybe sell this, let's maybe leverage this property or what have you so that we can align um, in places where most of the people that we serve are there? You know, and so there's a lot more discussion that needs to be had that I'm not equipped to, to discuss. Um, but I think those are some of the things that we need to begin to consider so that the black church can, you know, you know, really do its job at serving the black community. And some will even ask, you know, now, you know, you know, should there really be a black church in that sense or should it be more of a diverse church? community in which you know various people from different backgrounds come and and um you know worship there so I, I think the black church and just the church community in general has a lot of things to kind of look at and, and 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 address 
because of the changes in the dynamics that are occurring um, right now. Well, that was my next question is, what is that next step in evolution? You talked about some of the things that could be a possibility, but in your opinion, what is the best, you know, make your next move your best move. If you're the leader and, you know, you kind of, let's say you oversee all the black churches in the country for whatever reason, I don't know how you would do that, but let's say you were in that role. What's your, what's your mandate? What is your first, I guess, step to, to make that evolution a positive one and to start making real change? I guess I would step back and just look at it from a business standpoint first. You know, where's this church at? You know, is the population or the congregation growing, declining? You know, is it in a location in which the people that I serve are there, right? So I have to look at it and each location is gonna be different. There are churches that are in urban environments that are probably gonna still have a large number of black, of uh, the black community that is there. Places where it's probably more suburban um, or areas where the demographics have shifted, that may not be the case. And so you have to look at it and say, okay, what are the strengths and the weaknesses of this particular church and this particular location? And how do we leverage what we have to be able to um, contribute and be effective in serving those people? Um, as a whole, you know, comprehensively, um, I think we would look at it, if we're talking specifically the black church, what is it that our community needs, right? You know, and you and I talked about this, and this is something I've said on you know, countless occasions. But for me, I think the areas that we should really focus is looking at housing, looking at um, education, criminal justice reform, health and wellness, and access to capital and wealth. And looking at the churches and say, how in these five areas can we address those issues and move those uh, particular the agenda forward? to make sure that we can, um, you know, make those things happen in a way that are, you know, in our benefit. Well, let's take one of those areas and I'm putting you back on the spot. You, you give me your politician answers, you're not going away from it. I ain't worried about it. <laughs> from a sense <laughs> of criminal justice reform, let's say for instance. No, 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 I wanna go, I wanna stay on the economic sustainability. Access mm -hmm. to capital wealth. How do we use our system of black churches to help in that aspect? First thing I can think of is that each Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, you have countless black churches depositing money in the banks, yeah. right? Whatever cities or region they're in, go to those banks. First of all, I'd maybe consider, you know, is it possible for those churches to either establish or say, you know what, we're going to go with this particular bank. And in the, in the fact that we're gonna deposit millions of dollars each week into this bank, whether it's Bank of America, whether it's Chase, whether it's Wells Fargo or whatever, yeah. or starting their own, we got extra million dollars every week that we're gonna deposit into your bank. So as a result, we want you to serve us in this way. We want business loans at reasonable interest rates or low to no interest rates. We want loans for housing. Yeah. Um, also for education and putting back and investing in our communities. That's the first thing I would, I would do is look at how can we make sure that those dollars that are being deposited in those banks can go back into the communities that serve our, uh, our people. Well, I can think of a few of those, I guess, uh, types of churches, right? You've got AME, like you said, Kojic, and they all kind of at least have the structure, right? 
And mm-hmm. so it all comes, there's a leadership of each of these. Why not create a coalition of, you know, these black churches or these types of churches and say, hey, we're going to put it, like you said, put our money into whether it be a certain other bank or even if we put it into a black owned bank, um, you know, to help in that aspect. And then, like you said, we're, we're doing things. And then I think because when you talk about those five areas, I, I mean, I'm, I'm on the tip of a lot of our problems can be solved with wealth and capital. We can do yeah. a lot of things with the capital. So if we're taking all of that money and we're using it to, you know, hey, we, we're going to start a scholarship fund and it's going to actually service our community and a lot of our kids are going to benefit from it. You know, healthcare. If, I mean, is what I mean, I, I'm thinking on a on a national scale, on a, on a, on a national scale. Can we do something like can we have healthcare like black black church health? I don't know <laughs> what like <laughs> is I there mean, any- we could imagine it. It's something we'd have to sit down and think about and sit down and walk through it. Um, so I, I think those are that's a great idea, you know, because you know when we look at you know um, proportionally or disproportionately, we have been affected health wise in our communities even with COVID. Um, you know, at least from statistics that largely people of color, black people in particular, have been impacted more uh, more so than other groups. And yeah. so I, let's look at that. There's a lot of smart people in these churches and organizations that I think if we really sit down and focused on it, put a think tank together and organize ourselves, we could do it. It's just a matter of having the political will or should I say just the will in general and getting the leaders of these organizations to be able to sit down and, and agree to um, looking at it and finding ways to make it happen. Hmm. Well, I mean, I agree. I think we like, I mean, I think we're both on the same page that there's steps that need to be taken for the black church to remain viable with the changing climate, you know, with, with how people are even viewing church in general, not just black, black churches, but just church in general. And there's a lot of evolution that needs to happen. And then I think that can lead to, you know, hopefully if we do things correctly and if people are things are able to organize, that can lead to us addressing a lot of the issues we need to address within our community because we're using that already established infrastructure. So I I think we all agree on that. And um, yeah, I mean, like you said, I think we can we can go from there on that. I'm, (laughs) I'm a little more optimistic about that because I think before I just I always looked at church as something that not didn't need to go but definitely needed an overhaul I mean for me personally so um that that gives me a little bit more of an optimistic look at things yeah I mean I think that I really sat back and I looked and kind of analyzed our community I analyzed our status and our position here as black people in America in particular and I look at that, there's very few industries that we don't have an impact on, whether it be generating the revenue as employees or as um, the, the intelligence. I mean, think about sports. When you think about basketball and football, if you take away black athletes, those organizations will look a lot different, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you take entertainment, music in particular, if you remove black people from there, that's going to look a lot different. And those industries, there's a ripple effect of jobs that are created as a result of basketball players. When you think about now with a lot of the sports leagues are having games with no fans, 
how much money is being lost, one. Two, but how many jobs are also being lost? And so those people that don't have those jobs can't go into those stores, into that local, um, you know, area and spend money. And so that area is being greatly affected and impacted by that. And so when I think about us and our, our, our um, impact here in America, we've always had an impact, you know, from the days of slavery, just building and providing the free labor for this country to grow and develop. And it hasn't changed. I mean, when you look at the prison industrial complex, and I know I'm going into a whole nother field, <laughs> the prison industrial complex, you know, and you look at the disproportionate number of blacks, African-Americans that are in prison, you know, there's still services and, you know, virtually free labor that are being provided for, you know, those private prisons, you know, and then the jobs that are being created, you know, there's communities in these rural areas who look to have prisons to create jobs and build economic development um, around that. So we have to really understand our impact and how we affect the things around us in many different ways and be able to leverage that. Um, so that we as a community can benefit from, you know, the fruits of our labor. Yeah, well, that's the key. I'm learning in business, leverage is everything. So I think this is something we could talk about for a very long time, but I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, we appreciate everyone for joining us and listening in, and uh, we hope you join us for the next one. All right. Peace. All right. That'll wrap up today's episode. Glad we could take a moment to put you up on game. We post a new podcast every Sunday morning. Now you know. Peace.